0: Welcome to Ulcerative Colitis Autoimmune Healing Journey. I am your journey guide, Jay India, and I'm so happy that you are here because this is a supportive, positive environment where we can heal together. Please note, I am not a doctor or health professional in any way. If you would like to attempt something mentioned in this episode, please consult your doctor or mental health professional first. Today we are discussing SIR's treatment, my appointment with Dr. Pegg, and what are Mark Hans. First of all, I am back, you UC mofos, and I (laughs) missed you so much. I am, I hope I am, a wealth of information, or maybe I'm not, but you decide. Before I get to the content, I would like to read two Apple podcast reviews that I love. The first is from Ranchero Joe. Great podcast for someone with UC. Five stars. J India does a great job sharing an uncut version of what it is like to have UC. I have learned a ton. Thanks. And then the next one is from Chris N Wilson. Great info and support. Five stars. Great resource for those with ulcerative colitis and is a great support when going through a flare. Thank you so much. Joe and Chris, love to you both, and because you gave me good karma, I see many green hearts in your future. Before we start the content of this episode, I want everyone to remember that SIRS is chronic inflammatory response syndrome. It is when the body cannot drain toxins like a normal person. So you have a one-time exposure to mold, a tick or spider bite, bad sushi, and it gives you SIRS. 25% or more of the population has the SIRS gene, and experts are now thinking that it causes most autoimmune disease. To receive the best information possible on SIRS, please go back and listen to episodes 40, 41, 42, and 43. In August 2023, I had my initial consult with our resident SIRS doctor, Dr. Peg DiTulio, who you can hear on episode 43 of this podcast. I actually did an in-person consult, so I drove up to her office in New Hampshire and I got to meet this lovely human in person. It was a bit of a coincidence because my Australian friend was visiting and she wanted to see her friend in New Hampshire as well, so it just worked out that way, but my following appointments will be over Zoom. A few weeks prior to the appointment, I had done blood work, 11 vials of blood, people. I felt lightheaded at first, but then I was fine. I would recommend to get this done at least one month before your initial appointment because the lab still did not have all my results back at the appointment, and I do have all of them now. I had filled out a long and detailed intake form, which is great. I love, don't get me wrong, love telling my life story. <laughs> so between the intake form and the blood work, Dr. Pegg had a lot of info going into that appointment, which I very much appreciate because when you meet, for example, with a gastroenterologist at your first appointment, don't expect anything because first of all, they don't ask much and they can't do anything without a colonoscopy. So here I like it because there's so much information for the first appointment. So with the money you're paying, which is not cheap, you're getting a lot of really good protocols and information right from the get-go. Additionally, I have been working with her daughter, Ruth, who is a SERS health coach. And she's great too. Please keep in mind, if you are interested in working with Dr. Pegg, she is now booking new patients five months in advance, but you can start the process by working with Ruth. I felt that Dr. Pegg was extremely thorough and I told her that the binder was tough for me. I'm using an all-natural binder to rid of the toxins, but it's extremely powerful I ended up switching binders and the second one gave me UC symptoms because it had bentonite clay and I don't do well with bentonite clay. And this is something that is my fault because I should have just (laughs) read the ingredients instead of automatically switching and I would have caused myself, (laughs) I would have, well, not caused myself, I would have, it would have been a better situation because of that bentonite clay, I now have leaky gut again, which I I guess I always have leaky gut, right? We always do. But now it's really apparent again. And I'm working on that issue because of the bentonite clay. So I switched back to the original binder and it's going fine. I do like this binder because it firms up my stool and I have a lot of green hearts. As I said, I don't want to say the names of the binders because they can really just F you up. And I don't want to have that responsibility (laughs) on anyone, right? And if you guys DM me, ask me for the name of the binder, I'm not going to give it to you because it can really put you in a hospital and you're going to hear about that in one second. So taking binders on your own is very bad. Here's why. I was increasing the amount only by a teeny little itsy bit and it caused a bad detox such as slurring words and extreme fatigue. And if my Australian friend was here, she would have completely agreed with me because she witnessed the whole thing. Dr. Pegg explained that I was cleaning out an entire wing of my body instead of a room and we want to clean out our bodies room by room. For the binder with the bentonite clay that didn't work, it says on the directions, take four capsules a day. Ruth started me at just one capsule and it caused a major negative response. That's why I always recommend consulting with a health professional because if I followed the directions on the bottle, I can tell you right now, I would have been in a hospital or something close because these symptoms right now, I'm dealing with them, I'm fine, whatever, but it did bring them back and it's been a little bit painful. I'm sensitive to everything, so I can barely increase the binder and the most I can do is a teeny tiny scoop. Just know that you may be the person who can increase the binder no problem and get up to the full amount quickly or if you're like me... I'll probably be on the binder until I'm 106. (laughs) So back to the appointment, let's discuss the blood work. A lot of it was extremely scientific and over my head, but I'll explain what I believe I understood and what can help you. There are pages and pages of blood work results, so I'm discussing only the major things that I can explain. So let's go. I had candida, yay. (laughs) I was eating Too much sugar in August because I lost my sense of taste and smell due to COVID, but Dr. Pegg said it wasn't a major case of candida, and my acupuncturist agreed, just a slight case, so I believe it's gone or mostly gone now, and again, that was late August, now it's late September, so it's been, oh, it's only been a month, I was going to say two months, no, I can't do math, it's been a month, and I think it's pretty much gone now. And I'm going to talk about that actually more in next week's episode. My zinc was low, which is a problem because you want a good ratio of zinc to copper. My copper was fine, but the ratio isn't ideal. So I need more zinc. My comprehensive metabolic panel, my cortisol, testosterone, and DHEA were all good. I tested negative for Lyme disease vasoactive intestinal polypeptide or VIP, what Dr. Pegg discussed in episode 45, was normal. My MMP9 was a little high, which basically means my heart is fine. Taking fish oil should knock out this issue. My histamine level was normal as well, but that doesn't necessarily indicate that I don't have an underlying histamine issue, but I've been doing a lot better with that. My leptin was low, which is supposed to mean I'm hungry and starving all the time, but I'm not. However, I will say this, around PMS, see it depends. Sometimes it's PMS, sometimes it's my period, and this happens to me during ovulation, you guys, too. Other than that, I'm not someone who's hungry all the time. When my Australian friend came here, she said I eat like a bird, which I don't think I do, but she said, no, 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 you hardly eat. compared to a normal person. But I'm not saying that in a good way. I'm not saying that in a, in a negative eating disorder way. I think I do eat more than people realize. But a lot of times people just don't see me eat. So I think that's why. My VEGF was low but normal range, which means I'm not creating as many new blood vessels as is ideal. Human transforming growth factor or TGF is high But as Ruth explained, not crazy high. The TGF is the inflammatory marker. So as I use the binder, the TGF should decrease. Now, let's move on to the big ones. These are the ones that uh, separate, I like to say separate the women from the girls. So ready, here we go. My C4A was normal, which is a good indicator that I am not currently exposed to mold. Yay. I talked to Dr. Pegg about the drier climate in which I live, how my house does not have a basement, crawl space, central air, or carpeting, which are all places mold loves to grow. Here is the big one. I have low MSH, which is alpha melanocyte stimulating hormone. (laughs) This is also hard to say. MSH is a group of hormones produced by the pituitary gland, hypothalamus, and skin cells. According to bodyecology.com, MSH regulates many other hormones and plays a role in inflammatory responses and immune defenses against microbes. Low MSH may increase susceptibility to fungal infection from mold exposure, as well as symptoms like chronic fatigue, chronic pain, insomnia, and sexual dysfunction. MSH plays a key role in the processing of the protein gliadin in the intestines with low MSH leading to increased inflammation and intestinal gaps remaining. So there's your leaky gut. Low MSH is known for causing leaky gut and from what I read, could be causing UC. This is why knowing your MSH level is crucial in SIRS. Now, I want to say something else about low MSH. Apparently, it's a big deal with insomnia as well. And I notice I have four, I would say three to four nights a month where I do not sleep well. I sleep, but I don't sleep well. It either takes me forever to fall asleep, I only get four hours of sleep, or I only get six hours of sleep and I'm kind of in this in-between state where I'm sleeping, but I'm not sleeping, so I'm not getting this deep, restful sleep. And for me, that always happens, either it's during PMS, during my period, or right as my period's ending. And I can never predict when it's going to happen, but it does happen. And I believe this is because of my MSH level. I had an interesting discussion with Dr. Pegg. As you all know, in 2021, I had a life threatening UC flare. And you know what? Now that I say it, I realize it's been two years. Yeah, it's been two years because late September 2021 since I had the UC flare. And I'm in so much of a better place. And I just have to interrupt this whole thing and say, you guys, two years ago, I could not get out of bed. I couldn't even think about driving to the grocery store. I was not eating, I was not drinking, I was having 50, that's five zero colon spasms a day at my worst, and look at where I am now. So all of you out there with a flare, trust me, once you have the knowledge that you hopefully get through this podcast and other sources, you will be on your way. Don't lose hope. I'm telling you, and, and my husband came on here and he talked about this on his episode. Once you have the knowledge, it is so empowering and you will get through it. So Dr. Pegg thinks that that 2021 flare could have either been a UC flare Or a cytokine storm. So when you research cytokines, it's so confusing. So let me break it down. From my understanding, there are good cytokines, which are anti-inflammatory. And then there are bad cytokines, which are pro-inflammatory. When she was saying the flare was a possible cytokine storm, she means the bad pro-inflammatory cytokines were invading my body and taking it over and causing horrendous inflammation. This low MSH is common with SIRS, but as the inflammation in my body decreases, the MSH will rise along with other hormones that should rise along with it. And I believe, hopefully, guys, and I will keep you posted on this, but hopefully that will alleviate my three to four nights of bad sleep a month. And I've been thinking of adding melatonin and tryptophan because I've heard that works really well. And I'm going to talk about that next week. Sorry, a lot. (laughs) A lot is going on next week as well. Because right now I take an herb that works, I would say 60% of the time, it's not strong enough. And then I also take tart cherry to sleep. And because I'm having this leaky gut issue right now, it's not sitting well with the leaky gut so i think i'm going to move to the melatonin and tryptophan if i do i will tell you how that works because i have a low msh that usually means i have toxins in the frontal lobe of my brain called marcons i'm going to spell this for you m-a-r-c-o-n-s and the o is lowercase and the rest of the letters are uppercase Let's talk about Marcon's. According to suciahealthinstitute.com, Marcon's is multiple antibiotic resistant coagulase negative staph, as in a staph infection. It is an antibiotic resistant staph that resides deep in the nasal passage of 80% of people with low MSH. Marcon's is found in patients with mold exposure chronic Lyme disease and biotoxin illnesses, as well as other chronic inflammatory illnesses like SIRS and CFIDS, chronic fatigue and immune dysfunction syndrome. Marcon's is not an infection, but a colonization that can become an infection. These bacteria send chemicals into the blood, exotoxins A and B that increase inflammation and by cleaving MSH causes a further decrease of MSH levels, which in turn creates more inflammation. Marcans is not commonly found in the deep sinuses of normal individuals with intact immune systems. The inflammatory markers C4A and TGF beta 1 are typically quite high in people with SIRS. Remember, my C4A was normal, indicating I'm not currently exposed to mold, and my TGF was only a little high. Now, how is this possible? I personally think it has a lot to do with, obviously, you know, meditation, doing everything mind, body, soul trying to keep my stress levels down. But I think also it has a lot to do with diet. It has a lot to do with the fact that I'm constantly walking and moving my lymph and all of that. But with the diet, I don't really eat anything terrible anymore. So I think that has been a huge help. And again, talk about this more next week because I've really stepped it up and changed my diet. And I'm going to tell you what I did. Once the Marcon's have taken up residence, They will further lower MSH, increasing the bad cytokines and lowering Treg cells, resulting in chronic fatigue symptoms of body aches, pain, and debilitating exhaustion. This is what I had definitely in 2021. I can tell you I had that. Now, I really don't have it. It, there's, There's some days where I feel very exhausted. And I can tell it's a UC exhaustion, but it rarely happens anymore. Knock on wood here, I've been very lucky with the body aches and pains. I really don't get that. When people talk about joint pain, I have never, I mean, I've experienced that, I'm sure, but I have never experienced that, that I can think of, or that has caused a huge problem. Even when I was in my 2021 flare, I don't remember joint pain, which is, strange, but I don't. <laughs> In addition, hormone imbalances, mood swings, leaky gut, alternating constipation, diarrhea, lower melatonin, poor sleep, and low ADH, anti-diuretic hormone are the result of low MSH. Okay. So I want to talk about the last one because the low ADH is a big deal. If you are someone who Drinks a lot of water, like I do, and is constantly peeing. Cannot hold your water in. A lot of times, that is a sign of low MSH. I use these electrolytes called Forty Thousand Volts that I buy, and I put it in my water, and that helps my body absorb the water. But just know that if you're someone that pees all the time, you may be dealing with a low MSH. And I have been noticing that as I've been using the binder, that I have been able to drink a lot of water, and not be running to the toilet all the time. I still have to go a lot, but not crazy amounts. MSH protects the mucous membranes in the nose from colonization of Marcons. Fungal exposure, chronic Lyme disease, and biotoxin illnesses deplete MSH, therefore leading to colonization of these bacteria. Staph coagulase negative becomes multiple antibiotic resistant due to the formation of a biofilm which protects the bacteria from the penetration of the antibiotics. So what does that all mean? I'm completely fucked. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm not. I have not tested for Marcon's, but I imagine they're there. I imagine they're deep in my nasal passages if... uh, if 80% have it, I am probably, unfortunately, in the 80% and possibly in my front lobe, which is not good. This is why I'm using the all-natural nasal spray. It's called X-Lear. Uh, the original one, you guys, not the extra strength, which has the pepsir, which what did I just say? <laughs> which has the pepper or capsicum, and you can buy it at any pharmacy. I will say this about X-Lear. I do get a couple weeks of small seasonal allergies in the fall, which is now. And they've only lasted several days this time. And I believe it's because of the X-Lear. We are seeing if the X-Lear helps first. If not, I will have to go to VIP nasal spray, which Dr. Pegg discussed in episode 43. And that shit is no joke expensive. It will cost a minimum of $250 a month. And she explained to me, how it's stored it has to be refrigerated at all times so let's say you work you travel a lot for work or you fly a lot you're going to have to be taking that thing in a freezer on the plane in your car so that's why it's kind of a pain in the ass too so (laughs) we're seeing if the xlear helps And uh, if it does, then great. If not, then I guess I'm uh, just spending a fortune. In the appointment, I was also given the VCS test or vision test that indicates SIRS and I passed it. That means I don't have a long way to go for healing, which is great. And I think from my results, that's pretty obvious. I will say, of course, the one thing I have to really think about is the MSH. My goal is to make sure that that MSH is higher. And yeah. But other than that, I, I feel that, hey, I'm, I'm close to there. I'm not there, but I can see the finish line. I am on a protocol of the original binder, the nasal spray that I just talked about, omega-3, zinc picolinate, and a couple of other herbs via my natural doctor or my ND, Jessica Johnson, who is in episode 45. I've added L-glutamine and digestive enzymes to my regimen because the second binder caused leaky gut and UC symptoms, which I already said. So I'm getting back on track and I'm almost there. Last night wasn't great, but I've actually been doing really well. (laughs) But you know, that kind of stuff happens. My good friend's ND recommended for low MSH to do cold therapy as an end your shower in cold water and oh, oh my god that's a weird way I said that in, <laughs> in cold water <laughs> I see it's my Jersey accent I have a hard time saying certain things and water's one of them okay there we go and that sleep is absolutely vital my next steps are taking a Marcon's test. And I'm also getting a brain scan to see if there's any damage, which hopefully there's not. But I will talk about that more in the next episode, because the next episode, I'm going into the brain a lot more. I will meet with Ruth in a couple weeks. And then with Dr. Peg in December, I would like to talk about the cost, just so everyone is aware of how much this SERS treatment is currently costing me. All prices are in U.S. dollars. Because almost all of that blood work was covered by insurance, it cost me $81.51 out of pocket between blood work, appointment fees, the binders, herbs, vitamins, and protocol fees, and health coach fees. So far, as of September 2026, 2023, this surge treatment has cost me $952.30. Dr. Peg is sensitive to cost, so you can discuss the options you'd like to choose with her. Just know that I'm getting the full workup of everything, so I'm on probably the much higher scale. I understand for some, that's a lot of money out of pocket, and for others, it's fine. I started this process on June 9th, so the upfront costs aren't cheap, but it's also your health. Overall, I feel great about my results, though they were far from perfect, I think we know that, but I've changed a lot since August, uh, which is only a month ago, but I have and have acquired some amazing insights and knowledge, which of course I'm going to be talking about next week. I also feel good about the protocol and where I'm going. My body is healing slowly and I can feel it. On the next episode, I will discuss the pre-Alzheimer's protocol and how I have rapidly turned around my neurodegenerative disease symptoms. If you have gained any knowledge, insight, or comfort from these episodes, please support this podcast. Buy my UC ebook, my meditations, and donate. All the links are in the show notes. In my household, When we have a perfect shit, you know, when it slides right out of your body, it's a perfect color and solidly formed, and you're so proud of yourself that you turn around the toilet and go, wow, we call that a green heart. I wish everyone a green heart day.